Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeya. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I'd like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. Okay? We're also streaming now with the online radio platforms, um, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. There's a few others. If you want to see the full list of radio stations through whom we broadcast, you can go to our website, templeoftruth.us. And I thank you so much for those of you who've been communicating with us, sharing with us um, your thoughts about our message. We're very encouraged to hear from you. Uh, many of you are watching us through the um, platform, I mean, hundreds of, through the platform of Facebook and WhatsApp, etc. And um, that doesn't necessarily uh, reflect on our accounts here on YouTube, but it doesn't really matter. If we reach one person, and we're able to help transform the life of one person and develop that relationship you have with God, man, we've hit a home run, okay? So it's not all about the numbers for us. It's about it's about the fact that God is using us and we're grateful that you'll find us worthy, you know, to you know to be used at this time and this hour. All right. Did um, anybody have like a word, a dream, a vision, something you um, would like us to hear? See what cell phones can do to you when you wake up in the morning. First thing is to check your email, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, text. What else? The word that came to me this morning was that we really need to look into who is Jesus Christ and why is it that people wanted to kill him, that we have from the world a philosophy of life that is contrary to the word of God and the way that the word of God has been presented to most of us, that we, um, we don't really see the power of Jesus Christ or really understand um, how he thinks about things, what is, what is his will for the for the world so it becomes difficult for us not knowing who he is to really understand how to live like him because we don't know what that means okay okay so today you woke up with the impression that we should discuss jesus christ yes okay all right, I'm going to come back to that so you can lead us in that direction, God willing. Okay. Is there someone else? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, was there someone else that had something like a vision, a dream, or a word? 
not not a word, but you know, it's gonna you know take us away from um, the areas you wanted to focus on today, I guess. That's where we're going. That's that's don't worry, we'll, wherever wherever we go is the right direction, regardless of how the words mm -hmm. I have is. Yeah. Every single thing every person has is just as legitimate. It's, right. strange, it's strange to understand that, but really, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was just in line with um, the, you know, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 7, um, yeah. Hebrews chapter 7, where it was discussing about priesthood um, um, bestowed on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it says, is um, in line with the order of Melchizedek. And so I just wanted to get clarification about this because people have people that argue about tithing, they usually put the order of Mel Melchizedek yeah. as as the reason why they they believe that it's relevant to the modern the modern priesthood that we we inherited from Jesus Christ. Yeah. So you know, just to get clarification there. Does that mean if 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 the priesthood bestowed on Jesus Christ is in line with the order of Melchizedek, is that even relevant to this conversation about tithing? Um, okay. Because I thought it said that you know we no longer live by the law, and Jesus brought a different law, um, or not not law per se, but you know it, what he he brought something different from the law of those days. So why do we have to follow that? No, is okay. there some contradiction there? Okay. All right. Do you know that what Kay said mm. about Jesus mm. to make Jesus ex, ex, um, more understandable? Yes. And what I said about the, the three scriptures I gave, because I know what they're mm. related to, right? And what you yeah. just said are actually related. And we're going to discover that. So okay. we're going to start from Kay's perspective, which was, we should try to explain who Jesus is. So what I think I recommend we do is we quickly take turns to describe Jesus. And I think we should begin with Kay. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay with me. All right, yeah. so why don't, why don't you go ahead then, Kay? Okay. Jesus spent the three years of his ministry um, exposing the corruption of his day and the, the abuse of power of the spiritual leaders in his uh, community. And um, he, was, he was really trying to teach people about how we're supposed to live how we're supposed to treat each other and what God expects of us. And this is what really made people hate him that were in power and want to kill him and destroy him because he was uh, messing up their, the game that they were playing with the people that they were in it for the money. They were in it for positions of power and they were oppressive. And for him to open people's eyes to these things and to use the scripture that they all sat and taught every day to the people 
to point out to them the error of their ways. That just really incensed them. So he's not this meek, um, quiet, calm guy that people want us to think that he is. He really is demanding people to live a certain way. But at the same time, when he sees people not understanding God's will for their lives, he sees us kind of like we would see a two-year-old that's throwing a temper tantrum. That when a two-year-old's throwing a temper tantrum, we don't want to destroy them. We don't want to kill them. We think, oh, the poor thing, <laughs> he's going to wear himself out. He doesn't really understand what he's doing. And we try to guide them to what they're, the right, right way of doing things. And that's kind of the way that I see Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Somebody want to contribute something toward that? Yeah, um, just one thing, really, just um, to say that he um, he's, he's God in the was he was God in the flesh, really. He, um, from how I understand it, he took that he he came he came as as the flesh, just so that he can go through what we go through, and. Maybe, I don't know, I, I maybe be able to understand um, being, being normal human like us, yeah. how going through all the temptations we go through and still be able to, you know, conquer and, and, and win. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I see him as, as God that was made flesh. And that's one thing that people struggle most with. People, a lot of people who believe in God, but they still don't understand how we can believe in God and at the same time believe in Jesus Christ. That was they see him as just a normal prophet or just a normal man who who was just a believer like us. So why should we worship him? But that's because he was not, he wasn't just a normal man. He was God, but that's very difficult for people to accept. A lot of people to accept, um, and I think it's a revelation we get through the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, very good. Yeah. Two different dimensions here. Yeah. What about Liz? Well, I think I think one thing about Jesus is that um, in Hebrews. Let's see where it was. Uh, maybe it was not. Tell me what it says. I might know what scripture it is. Maybe it was Matthew. I, I was looking to do here, but maybe Matthew, where he said that Jesus is this, you know, the same always, that he's not, okay, he's not yeah, you know, in life and in death and in his spirit, he's the same. And um, and I think in a way that's what we we try and now oh, I can't find where I read it, <laughs> but okay. um, I think it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, and I think I think that is a part of um, you know that he's not just 
they're changing for you know always shifting and changing and being something different yeah and but not not so you know i think it meant that you know in the part where jesus said that we should we should all take his teachings i think he means we should be more more a steadfast maybe like we should yeah. be the same we shouldn't be always changing yeah so let's 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 look at you remember last week or so we talked about the moon being in heaven and the woman being in the heaven above her you remember yes yes and we said that the woman gave birth to a son who was caught up to an, yet another heaven? Yes. All right. So when Kay spoke about Jesus, she said, people just think Jesus is this, you know, baby in a manger. You know, Mary had a little lamb character. But that he's also the line of the tribe of Judah. He's also assertive. He's also firm. He also punishes injustice and unrighteousness. Okay, am I correct? Correct. Okay. Then when Abele spoke, she spoke from another dimension of Jesus, and she said that um, she, she feels that Jesus was God who took on human form so as to experience the pressures and travails, hardships, joys, sadness of humanity. I'm, I'm adding things to what you said, but I'm trying to see if I if I adequately yes. adequately yes. said what you try we're trying to say, Beverly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now you notice that we can agree with both things, correct? Yes. Okay. Then Liz yeah. came and said that there's that there's something about Jesus that has to do with consistency. Right? Yes. Okay. That but we accept that Jesus is a man correct yes good so he was while he was here he was thirsty he doesn't thirst anymore right right well he's still a man isn't he right yes okay because the bible talks about the man christ jesus okay correct okay. yes so you and i can change I could be really friendly with you right now and then for absolutely no reason tomorrow, I'm no longer friendly with you, right? Or right now, I was really happy. A thought came into my mind. I became really sad, correct? For no yes. apparent reason. Yes. But God is consistent. The Bible uses, uh, in the New Testament, it uses the word immutable. Can somebody look for that word for me, please, in, in the Bible? Use, can you can use your phone and search for the word immutable. I double M U T A B L E. You want the scripture where that where he says that? Yes, he just uses that word is used like once, no more than once in the New Testament, uh, at least in the in the. Um, in the um, in the gospel, not in the gospels, in the writings of Paul, where it says, "By two mutable things it was impossible for God to lie." I think that's Hebrews. It's that Philippians 
Well, there's Hebrews 6, 17. Okay. What does Philippians say or the other um, Oh, no, that's, uh, okay, that's not immutable. That's where they were just. Uh, okay, fine. So let's look at the one in Hebrews. Okay, let me look at it in my Bible because I think that they've got a different version here. It's okay. Hebrews 6, chapter 6, verse 17. Okay. Amen. Amen. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who, for, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Thank you. So, you know what the word to mutate means, correct? Yes. To change. To change. So, Liz, you just got the scripture to back up what you said about God, okay? That God cannot change. But it also says the same about Jesus, right? Jesus the same yes. yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Forever. So what we find here is a spirit, God, that cannot change. And on the other hand, a man who cannot change either. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now, you... And I have the ability to what? Change. Correct? Yes. Correct. Now, if we could not change, could we be saved? Yes. No. No. <laughs> if we could not change, we could not be saved. Because the Bible says we are being transformed into his own what? Likeness. Good. From one glory to another. It uses the word image, but it means likeness. From one glory to another. Correct? Yes. So from one intensity of heat to another. But heat is heat. Okay? Yes. You are adopting the quality and the nature of that fire. You're being changed to become more like that consistent fire. Now, angels can't change. Okay? They can't they can't repent. Okay? They can't, they can't, they can't change. They can't say, oh, what I did was really bad, if they're bad angels, 
Okay? Hmm. So, it's man that has the ability to change. So, somebody started, I think it was uh, Abele, you started by using the word nature. That Jesus came into nature. Right? Yes. Okay. Okay. One other thing, the most important thing I believe we need to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is a nature. Did you hear what I said, everybody? Yes. Yes. Jesus is a nature. We've described that nature as being consistent. It's unable to tell lies. Okay? And now it can no longer be overcome by temptation and sin. Now, can you be overcome by temptation and sin? Yes. Absolutely. But a time is coming when you will no longer be able to be tempted and overcome by sin. Why? Because you would have gone to the yeah. third heavens. It, it, it's just speaking in plain English. <laughs> yeah, well, well, because you would have been transformed. Because you would have been transformed mm -hmm. into his image and his and likeness. likeness. And what did we how did we describe God's likeness and Jesus Christ's likeness? We used one word that Kay found for us. Unchangeable. Immutable. Immutable. Unable to mutate. So right now, we are what? Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> okay? We are mutants. Okay? And we're mutating either into glory or either into destruction. But we're mutating. Mm -hmm. Okay? Remember the Bible says Satan was cast into the bottomless pit. Right? Yes. But after a thousand years, he was loosed again. Did he say, man, what I did was horrible. If God ever forgives me and gets me out of this pit, I will change my ways. No, he came right back out to do the exact same thing, correct? Correct. And finally, God had to take him now and put him into the lake of fire. What does fire do? Purifies. Exactly. Fire dissolves the elements into the most um indissoluble foundation correct yes yes that's why the bible always uses gold to represent the nature of god because gold is the only substance that fire cannot actually separate from its essence it is pure pure gold we're talking about but that's another that's another topic you know entirely all right so I hope we've done a little justice to Kay's um, word this morning about 
understanding what Jesus or who Jesus is, that we've said he's immutable. We have been mutated into his own likeness and he does not change. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And uh, Ebele, uh, you asked a question, sorry, and yours was what? About Jesus being the priest okay. of the order of Melchizedek. According to the order of Melchizedek. According to the order of Melchizedek, yes. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, the, Kane, do you want to take a stab at that? Um, well, I'm, okay. Jesus was, he became, he is our high priest, our new high priest. He intercedes in the holiest of holies with God daily on a continuous basis for mm -hmm. us. But he was not descended of the line of Levi, right. um, who were the priests of the, Mo the order of Moses. Yeah. So he represents a new order for us that we call the uh, Melchizedek, um, who's the, he's the Prince of Peace. Um, and Jesus has been, because he is God, he has been with us before the, the world began from the foundations of the universe. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm not sure how to address your story, your question about um, because, well, if he is a, the a priest of Melchizedek, why we don't have to pay tithes to him. But he has told us that our tithe is the harvest of souls. That's what he's looking for from us. Yeah, that he's, cool. not, he's not looking for riches. He's not looking for silver. He's not looking for gold. He is looking for us to spread his message and to be able to have more people's eyes opened and enlightened as to what he wants from us so that they too can be saved. And that is our tithe. Hmm. Okay. 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 Let's look at let's look at the book of Hebrews. Somebody look. Let's find somewhere where it says um, where there's a change of the priesthood. There's the, of necessity That's, of change, huh? Uh, Hebrews seven. What does that say? So the need for a new priesthood from, yes. from verse eleven. That's, okay. What does it say? Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, yes. for under it the people received the law, yes. what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Aaron. Mm -hmm. um, for the priesthood being changed, of necessity there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but 
but according to the power of an endless life. All right. Now, there's something that takes place when you come to this understanding. It's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. It's not possible for you or I to communicate to another Christian, forget somebody who's not a believer, okay? It's not possible for you and I to communicate to another Christian the shift in dimension of operation. Because Jesus came under the law. Okay? Yes. And you and I were saved under the law. What does that mean? You were not in God when Jesus died for you. Amen? Amen. You were not in Christ the day you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You were in the world. Yes. And Christ had to come to the world to save you. You didn't go to heaven for him to save you. Okay? okay. So what does that mean? It means now that you have received Jesus, you are still where? In the world. Thank you. In the world. Jesus said, Father, they are in the world, but they are not what? Of the world. Of the world. Um. You, let's take, for example, we all moved now to Papua New Guinea. We're going to be immigrants in Papua New Guinea, correct? Mm -hmm. I don't know what they eat there, but we're more likely to be looking for um, a burger, uh, fries, right? Mm -hmm. We're in Papua New Guinea, but we're not of Papua New Guinea. Okay? So, positionally, once you receive Jesus, you are no longer of the world. But for all realities and all intents and purposes, you are actually of the world because you still think the way you thought before you gave your life to Christ five minutes ago. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. You don't just give your life to Christ now and then in two hours, suddenly you no longer think the way you used to think. You no longer, you no longer feel like, oh, I love America. Oh, I love whatever. You, that doesn't happen in just two minutes. You begin your journey Okay? And as you begin your journey, you begin to become better at understanding what Jesus meant in the things he said and what the apostles meant in the things they said. Then you are confronted with an intersection in which you are supposed to take off. Okay? Mm -hmm. Remember, you're already saved. You don't have to take off. Okay? 
So most of us Christians continue taxiing on the runway in an airplane, but we never take off. Amen. And until a person takes off, he or she cannot understand what you're talking about. And you will put yourself under much sorrow in trying to get them to understand. First of all, like Kay had mentioned earlier, she talked about the tithes being the people that you bring for God. Correct? Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to say to you, show me that in the Bible. Where did Jesus say that? (laughs) And you wouldn't be able to. That's a John chapter 4. No, John, John chapter 4, I, I don't know what John chapter 4 says actually, but you can read it. But I can tell you there's nowhere that Jesus says the tithe is people. Go ahead, mm-hmm. read John chapter 4 if you know. If you... Okay, um, John chapter 4, verses 34 through 38. Yeah. Jesus right. said, okay, amen. 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 Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then come a harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto, eternal, unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into the labors, into their labors. Very good. Now, you understand what that means, correct? Yes. Now, tell me how you can explain to someone who doesn't have the understanding that you have which is the prerequisite to interpret what you just read as related to people being tithes. Paying paying tithes, yeah. No, no, not paying, not paying, but being. Remember what you and Kay and I are saying and Liz, we're saying that people are tithes, correct? Yes. Good. Now, Kay just read to us where Jesus used the analogy of of harvest, correct? Yes. And so when you see that, you can see there that as a as a Christian, you say, oh, Jesus was talking about harvesting people to become born again. Right? Right. So somebody will go along with you there. But what we're trying to go with, where we're trying to go is not just, oh, harvesting is symbolic of saving souls. Right? Right. We're saying that harvesting is symbolic of, sorry, tithing is symbolic of a kind of salvation. So the question then is, what is the tithe in the natural world in as it relates to the harvest? Can anybody tell us that? What is the tithe in the natural world as it relates to the harvest, we're not talking about cash now. Talk about tithes, as in during Moses' time, which had to do with you know wheat and all of that stuff, right? Yes. 
It was ten so, percent, wasn't it? I don't know. A, okay, a tenth, okay. a tenth of your of whatever, a tenth. Okay, good. Of, a tenth of your increase of your, of your yes. harvest, right? Yes. Okay. Now, did Jesus say where okay, just right now that you should bring uh, that a tenth of? Did he say a tenth of the harvest is ready, or did he say the harvest was ready? So, so the whole thing is ready for you to go and take in, correct? Yes. Fine. Yes. So you bring the whole thing in, but then from among the whole thing, you take some and set aside specially for who? God. Yes. You can read that in the Old Testament. Everybody can read that. But it takes a certain understanding to say, to go, to make the leap from, yes, the harvest is souls being saved. But you know that place in the Old Testament where it said, take from that harvest and set apart from God? It means take from among the people who are saved and set apart from God. How do you convince a person of that? Good luck. Exactly. <laughs> If God doesn't give it to you, you can't see it. Hmm. But all you've got to do is now go back to the Old Testament and read it now with a bird's eye view because you've taken off. And so now you know that the tithe is a group of people from among the harvest. You remember the tithe came with the harvest. But then after the harvest came in, the tithe was taken, which is always the best looking one, right? Yes. Yeah. And those are who the Bible refers to as the sons of God. Okay? They're different from every other Christian. Now, if you have difficulty explaining this to the normal Christian, good luck trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't <laughs> even really believe in Christ. The person doesn't have the faculty. It's that faculty is nowhere developed. Even the embryo stage of it, which the Christian has, he doesn't have. So you never try to go that deep with people who are not saved. Mm. Amen? Amen. You don't, don't, you don't try to do that. Okay? Mm -hmm. Always give people milk, and then later on you can give them strong bones. But if they cannot drink milk, then you have no business giving them what Paul calls strong meat. Amen? Amen. All right. So the order of Melchizedek has no beginning. It has no end. When Melchizedek appeared in front of Abraham, Paul uses that to explain to us that, look, this show about Jesus has been on before there was even an Aaron. Okay, that's all he was trying to say, that the, the priesthood of the universe has no beginning and it has no end. All that has happened is that you and I have been adopted into it. It existed before Adam was ever born, before Adam was ever created. It will continue existing at the end of this universe. You and I just happen to have now been adopted into it. And we discovered that, wow, that man, Jesus, who we met, 
here on earth is actually the main show in this eternal priesthood. Okay? Okay. That's, that's what that is. Okay. All right. So let's quickly look at um, Exodus 17, Deuteronomy 25, 17 and 18, and 1 Samuel 15. What I wanted to share with us here is this. I want to share something with us, which is kind of related to what we're talking about. All of us have things we have struggled with, okay, or are struggling with in life, okay? Okay. Now, God is going to come and help you in that thing. It could be um, marital struggle. It could be health. It could be financial, etc. Now, I want you to understand, while you're in that condition, as far as that problem is concerned, you are in a very vulnerable state. Is that not so? Yes. Yes. Okay. At least concerning that situation, you're quite vulnerable. All right. God wants every person that walks by you, that sees you in that condition, to be kind towards you. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Any person that is wicked towards you because you're down, okay, a time will come when God will take vengeance on that person or circumstance and you better not make the mistake of trying to save that person. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Yes. I know how this sounds. It sounds like you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should rejoice at the present situation. I am saying if you see the person in a hole, okay, mm. you will offer help. But if the person is not repentant, in other words, the person is not, you see that the, the person is gone. Well, what do I mean by gone? Some people have gone with the devil. Okay? No matter what suffering they go through, they're not going to repent. You read in the book of Revelation, it says, and the people on the earth cried because of the boils and the sores that were coming upon them but they refused to repent and call upon him who, who had the power over these plagues. You remember that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let me show you one scripture before we go into these scriptures. Please, the last book before Revelation. It's called the book of Jude. Just before Revelation. Amen. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Jude, verse 21 to 23. Done then. It only has one chapter. Oh, by the way, every time, if I remember what I said, every time we talk about a scripture, please highlight it if you got a highlighter or use a pencil and underline it. It's very important. 
Amen. Amen. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Okay. So Jude is telling you here that there are people in certain situations, okay, and they're in fire, they're in a problem, they're in a situation, right? And he wants you to offer, to be willing, okay, to be willing to help them, but be careful for yourself. I don't know if you get the picture. You know, don't, don't, in as much as you want to help people, don't get yourself mired in their muck. Hello? Yes. So I said this so that you can understand that God, I don't want you to see somebody who was mean to you, they're in trouble now, and you just walk past them. God doesn't want you to do that. Okay? Okay. You're supposed to see if they need help. Well, if they want help, you know they need help, but do they want help? Because you might go to try to help them, and they turn around and mess you up again. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls to what? Swine. Because they could do what? He said, because they could turn around and tear you. You, you understand? What is your pearl? Your kindness, your forgiveness, your, your love, your patience, all of these things. Be careful. Keep a healthy distance. Don't make a, make a distinction. That's why Jude told you, make a distinction. Did you see that in verse 21? Keep yourselves in the love of God, holding to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Verse 22, it says, and on some have compassion, making a what? Distinction. A distinction. Mm. Some people want help. Others don't. You need to be alert. Some people have actually repented of the problem of their, of their way of life. Others have not. So don't just be a goody two-shoes because you want to be holy and righteous. And you're going to find, let's look at what happened in Exodus 17. Um, Kay, can you read that for us, the, the whole chapter, please? Amen. Amen. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt 
to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people that they be almost ready to stone me? And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take, thine, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Hor in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the children, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go fight with Amalek tomorrow. Okay, with, go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Herd stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. Now, I want us to remember the children of Israel were in a place called Rephidim, and they were thirsty. Amen? Amen. And there was no water there. The Amalekites, that's what they're called, okay? The Amalekites knew that these people were in a hole. Amen? Amen. They knew they were in a place where there was no water. And they came out on their own to come and kill them and destroy them in that place. And God saw the wickedness. Not that they wanted to fight Israel. Many people fought Israel. Correct? Yes. But why did God yes. make Moses swear that they would be perpetual enemies of Amalek? Is it because Amalek fought them? No. It was because Amalek came to hurt them when they were helpless. Amen. Amen. When you are down, when you are weak, that's when you are strongest. No one should challenge you at that point. Your enemies should leave you alone because you're a child of God. Okay? 
Okay. Now, these people came, I'm, I'm going to say some things here, but Amalek didn't just come with physical weapons. They came with spiritual warfare. Are you listening to me? Yes. They came with spiritual yes. warfare. And that was why Moses had to keep his hands up. And the Bible, remember, it says every time Moses' hands came down, what would happen? It would start to win. Right? Mm -hmm. So they had used yes. horrible, powerful, occultic powers against the children of Israel. And God knew what they had done. Okay? And God said, put a stone here as a, as a memorial. I want all Israel to remember this day. They should never forget that Amalek will be their enemy in perpetuity. Now mark that. Now let's jump to Deuteronomy 25, verse 17 and 18. Um, Liz, can you read that for us? Deuteronomy 25. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 25. 17 and 18. Sorry. Bear in mind what Amalek did to you on the journey after you left Egypt. How without fear of any God he harassed you along the way, weak and weary as you were, and cut off at the rear all those who lagged behind. Sorry, Therefore, you when you Lord sorry, sorry, could you read that again? Oh. We can hardly hear you. Oh, okay. Bear in mind what Amalek did to you on the journey after you left Egypt. How is how without fear of any god he harassed you along the way, weak and weary as you were, and cut off at the rear all those who lagged behind. Therefore, when the Lord your God gives you the rest from your enemies round the world in the land which he is giving you to occupy as your heritage. You shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. Do not forget. Amen. You Amen. see God repeating it in the book of Deuteronomy. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, that's basically Moses' farewell, correct? Yes. So yes. Moses has to remind these people again. He's about to leave, but he's reminding them that God was angry with Amalek because they came to fight you in your weak state where you were dying of thirst. And had I not brought water from the rock, do you know what water from the rock means? Pure water. No, it means the death of Christ. Mm. And remind me another day or send me a message later on, and I'll, I, I don't want to digress now, but I'll show it to you from the Bible. Okay. That rock there that Moses struck was Jesus. Okay? okay. Paul yeah. says so in the Bible. So another day I'll, I'll talk about that. That's why God is really upset. Okay? Okay? <laughs> because that's, that, that act there has a special meaning for God. Okay? Mm -hmm. So... Now, 400 years later, 
all the children of Israel have forgotten what Amalek did to them. Can you listen to me, somebody? Yes. Yes. Amen. 400 years. Remember, there's no internet. There's no newspaper. There's no this. So for you and I, it's equivalent to remembering something after 20, 30,000 years. That's what 400 years would have been like for them. There's no newspaper. There's no nothing. Okay? So they don't remember any of this stuff. Now, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Billy, can you read that for us? What you're reading now in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is like 400 years later. Okay? Moses is gone. Joshua is gone. Um, Samson is gone. Um, all those other you know, people are all gone. Now, Saul is king of Israel. First Samuel chapter 15. Yes. What, what verse? Just, just, start, just, start, just the whole thing. Okay. Amen. 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 Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey, so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, get down from among the Amalek Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites and Saul attacked mm -hmm. the Amalekites from Havila all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from the following, sorry, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And he grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around passed by and gone down to Gilgal. 
Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and mm -hmm. the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took off the plunder, sheep and oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fats of rams. <clears throat> for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also have rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and he tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of, of my people and before Israel, and return with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your soul has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. 
Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he, he had made Saul king over Israel. All right. Uh, I wanted us to read that whole thing because it was important. Mm. You see, the people didn't take the suffering and the pain that their ancestors went through. They became friends. Huh? They became compassionate. Yeah. And they loved the goods of the people who had maltreated their ancestors. But God didn't forget, did he? No. Good. Now, I have spoken about this thing we just read on the level that you can see. Just like Kay was talking to us about Jesus being more than just the lamb in the manger, right? Right. But now we're going to look at this on a more fundamental level. Like what Abele had talked about, the nature of Christ. And we said that Christ is a kind of nature. The enemy God is referring to here are problems that you and I had in our lives. Sexual immorality, lying, stealing, bearing false witness, having, um, keeping malice. Amen? Amen. These things are Amalekites. And God comes and is working to deliver us from these things, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But you and I now decide, well, I'll stop this, but I won't stop that. Okay? Or I will do this that God says not to do, but for the glory of God. Isn't that what um, Saul was saying? Mm -hmm. When God told him to destroy all the sheep, all the goats, he said, yeah, I did, but we kept some of the best ones to offer sacrifice to God. Well, who eats sacrifice in those days? The people who sacrificed it. The priest. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Not only the priest. No, the priest had certain portions that belonged to them. Okay. okay. So the truth is, the truth is, he, it was self-serving. So each and every one of us has something in our lives that is our Amalekite. It might be one thing. It might be 10 things. Amen. Amen. And God is saying to you, He's going to destroy those Amalekites on your behalf. And when he begins to destroy those Amalekites, don't have mercy on them. Amen. Amen. So if you have anything in your life that you're struggling with, don't worry. God himself is going to come and destroy its power. So just as on the outward we said, look, be careful with people who, when you're down, take advantage of you, right? Don't just quickly go and make friends with them. But now we're speaking on a deeper dimension. If God is dealing with Amalekites in your life who have oppressed you, who have kept you down, okay? Whatever it is, maybe it's a health condition. Maybe it's a, it's a moral question. When God begins to deal with that situation, don't give that situation any out. Amen? 
Amen. So I wanted us to take a look at these scriptures and understand how it applies to, uh, there's nobody that this scripture doesn't apply to, but I want you to understand why these things are written. They're written so you and I could learn and understand something about God in his dealing with us personally. Okay. okay. So um, I, I, I'm going to stop here because I think we've read quite a lot today. I think we've touched on so many things that it was kind of a bit difficult to actually have a theme. Um, but nevertheless, we benefited from going into the word and yeah. being able to see how some of these things apply into our own personal lives. So before we close, I'd like anyone to ask a question for me to elaborate on something because there might be others listening later who would have the same questions. So you're saying that this story of um, uh, Samuel and Saul, it, it's um, more of a spiritual story than a physical event. Yes, all the, all the stories in the Old Testament are pointing to a spiritual event. That's pointing to a spiritual correlation. Okay. Oh, Adam and Eve is Christ and the church, etc. Okay. So, so the enemies, the enemies in the Bible, when God talks about the enemies of Israel in the Bible, mm. it's not talking about physical people today. It's not talking about physical countries today. Okay. Okay. It's talking about things that are working against your spiritual life. Those are the fundamental enemies of God that the Bible is referring to. Any comment, any elaboration or a question? I think that one of the things you've said many times before is that there are several layers of, of uh, meaning in the, in the Bible. You have the literal meaning and you have deeper spiritual meanings. And one of the reasons why when we look at scripture, we are able to glean and understand more each day is because as we become deeper um, involved in the world. different heavens. Yes. They're different heavens. <laughs> yes. So you have the story that at the surface is about the people, but as you start to go deeper, you get a deeper understanding of what this means to us now. Why yeah. was the story even put in there? Why was the story even included in the Bible? Yes, these things did occur. They actually happened. But that's not why the story is there for us. The story is there for us, for us to be able to understand spiritual principles. Yes. Liz, do you have a comment? Well, uh, anybody? Kimberly? Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the things I, you know, I noticed, um, which I think really, really, really makes a lot of meaning to us today is how Moses, every time he encountered difficulty, how he immediately had no hesitation running to God and saying, you know, almost as if yeah. <laughs> crying, hey, are you there? Why are you watching all this happening? What are yeah. you going to do about this? Yeah. 
you know, he was not afraid to do that and, yeah. and get answers. Um, and also, you know, someone, I was watching um, a program some time ago and someone said the same about David. Yeah. You know, how David always cried out to God every time. He was always, almost, you can say, if it was human, you would say it was being a nuisance almost. But yeah. never, you know, stopped crying out to God for, for something. And it's, I think it's just, it's just something that maybe we should do more of. I myself, especially, you know, so many times you, you wait until the very last minute. You know you can't, you're struggling with something and you know you have no solution to this problem. But, you know, I, I, even saying a prayer or just asking God for help becomes almost very It's difficult. the way to develop your spiritual life, your, your prayer life is with a partner. Yes. yes. You, the thing is, twice a week or every day, depending on what you want, mm. you can find somebody like, say, Chineze or someone else mm. or whomever, okay, or, or whatever, Liz, mm. and it's time for us to pray. Mm. Okay, this is the time yeah. we pray. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be having coffee with your friend somewhere and say, oh man, like you tell your friend, give me two minutes. You go somewhere private, you call the, your prayer partner up and said, you're okay, you ready? Or you text, said, okay, ready to pray. Press my say, okay, give me five minutes. Yes. That's how you do it. Because now one person is checking on the other person. And the other, yeah. do you understand? So yeah. you're not solo. Mm. And then your spiritual life begins like that, and it mm. grows. Your your prayer life begins like that, and it grows. Yes, you understand. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's 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 a really good message. Yes. Yeah, really good message. Okay, Liz, do you have any question? No, but I I think um I really like the part about what you said. You know, we we need to kind of look for the amount Amalekites, Amalekites. Amalekites in our own, yes. and that means a lot of the work that I do because, you know, a lot of the young people that I work with and a lot of the parents that I work with, I think they will understand that that you know you don't just say oh I'm saved so I can. You know, now I'm saved. It's up to God to do whatever that they that they have Amalekites in their life, and they need to remember those. Yes, and God will remove the Amalekites. So it, Just don't get in His way. Yes, <laughs> yes, to, re, to but to look and remember. Yes. So I, I I'm going to think that over and and talk that over with the people that I work with. Very good, very good, perfect. So I solicit your prayers, I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time, for those of you who've been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos, okay? Don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary, don't be weary, don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day, okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook over this video so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us.
Thanks so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said, if you want to continue listening to us, to our audio, you can always go, okay, to our website. You can see the online radio channels that you can get us through. Like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio, okay? I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons. Hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you watch these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so we won't be able to see your like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. Okay? In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the road, but wherever I am, I'm going to be broadcasting from there. So the broadcast is still going to keep going, okay? So thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. See you soon.